Hello. And welcome to another episode of Saturday the 14th. I am Maggie. I'm Maddie. And we are here to talk to you today about ghosties in your house. Yeah, or in other people's houses ideally, not yours. I don't know if they're in your house. I don't I don't know where you live, so I've had ghosties in my house before. You've had ghosties? Yeah, we had one in our apartment that we lived in. Oh, that's true. We did have a ghostie in our uh, apartment in Cambridge. Yeah. But it didn't do anything. It just knocked over a bookcase. It didn't do anything like this ghostie did. It knocked over a bookcase and blocked our roommate from being able to enter her room. Which, when we compare it to the things that we are going to discuss today, is really not that bad. That's true. It is certainly unsettling. Definitely was, like, creepy when it happened. But, like... No one, like, hands were not appearing out of thin air. No one was underneath the bookcase when it fell. Which is good. No one ever levitated in that apartment, to my knowledge. I don't know. It usually happens, like, when you're sleeping, when it just starts and stuff, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. Maybe somebody levitated and we didn't know. I feel like I probably levitated at one point in time. Maybe not. We'll never know. Never will. I don't levitate these why you should always record yourself while you sleep. Yes, put security cameras in every room of your home. So then you can just watch hours and hours of yourself sleeping. Yeah. That just seems normal. Quality entertainment. But because we could be literally talking about any haunted house movie right now. Seriously, any one of them. (laughs) We specifically today are going to be discussing... The Conjuring. um, Featuring Ed and Lorraine Warren, who Maggie loves so dearly. I have so many feelings about Ed and Lorraine Warren. I really only have one, which is disdain (laughs) i don't believe in them Uh, i think they make great stories um i'm not a i I don't believe that they really did anything uh and i believe that the hype surrounding their activities is a shameless money grab i mean the perrin family who uh this is about they believe they helped him out well but they kicked them out of their house after the possession that's true happened so they weren't like, at the moment, they weren't that grateful for them. Maybe they just thought it was making it worse. I don't know. Because I know that they get kicked out of a lot of houses. Yeah. So. Who knows? Are they spooky ghost friend people? <laughs> <laughs> or are they frauds? They are demonologists, apparently. But we'll get into that the details. That is the formal name for spoopy ghost friends. Spoopy people. ghost friends slash demonologists. But we can get into that stuff later because um, I do want to talk about them a little bit more because I think they're, regardless of their flaws, I think that they're interesting people. Um, and they've inspired some really good and some really bad movies. That's true. And honestly, The Conjuring was kind of a kickstart to the current main one, I think one of probably the largest horror franchises, maybe ever, honestly, since that we've like moved past the Bride of Frankenstein, Son of Bride of Frankenstein, Cousin of Frankenstein type of I think universal. It's like the biggest modern one. Yeah, because for sure. Because I don't think it's, it hasn't reached the same size as like Halloween or Friday that's the Thirteenth. That's true. I guess or I don't Nightmare think of them. On Elm Street yet. That's true. I don't. I, I wouldn't. I almost think of them differently because they're not really direct sequels. It's like a universe, which yeah. is sort of different and weird. That's true. And I guess you don't really see that a lot, even with like the older like. I don't know. Other than like Frankenstein meets. The Abbott and Costello or whatever, like, random shit that they were doing in the studio I mean, days. we did get Freddy versus Jason. That's true. So that's a bit of a, a crossover. But it's interesting. I don't know. It's a very interesting um, series to me. But yeah, so this features, like, The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2. Um, the Annabelle movies are a part of this. Um, more recently, The Nun came out, I think. Yeah, La Llorona is a part of it as well. The Curse of La Llorona. Um, 
And I think there's going to be a couple more movies as well coming out later. We'll, I did we'll, not know that um, The Curse of La Llorona was in that universe, actually. Yeah, apparently there's a shared character between Annabelle and The Curse of La Llorona, which puts them in the same universe. But I, I, they're not, like, related to the Warrens or anything okay. like that. I don't think that that ever comes up. This is just, like, the thing. Actually, that's really weird because all the others are, like, based off things that happened. Yeah, and then I think with – because The Nun is not. Oh, I didn't so know So I that. think that The Nun is, like – well, I don't know, because it is, I guess, there is a real Abby that I think there were maybe rumors about. But I don't think that there's, like, a real demon. Like, I think that the nun is the first one that really starts to strain away from, like, credible stories. Yeah. Although Annabelle Creation, I think, is also similar. I don't think that Annabelle Creation is based off of a true story. I think it's sort of just, like, background that they fill in for them. That makes sense, yeah. Because um, I think that the kids, actually, at the beginning of this movie, who talk about Annabelle... Um, they that found is it the story. Yeah. Is that the story of the original Annabelle movie? That's the story of no. The Annabelle movie is about what happens, I believe, before they get her. And then Annabelle creation is before that, where she was first formed. And then but I think that the girls and the guy with like the haunted doll in their house, which we'll talk about in a second, I think that that is the only one that's based on real yeah. quote unquote I real think events. You're right. But it's all interesting. It's sort of a blending of real and not real, which I find fascinating. It makes it just a little scarier. It does. Um, so this is a more recent franchise. This, this movie came out in 2013. And it was the kickstarting. Like, that's literally when it... There been, the there's been there been another movie almost every year since then. I don't think there was one in 2015. But other than that, there's they're been something... They're getting up to, like... There are, like, two coming out this year or something like that. Yeah, there's... Um, La Llorona came out this year, and then Annabelle Comes Home is coming out this year. And then there's The Conjuring 3 is coming out next year, and then there's two more... Like another nun and then another movie coming out after Damn. that. But yeah, I mean, this is directed by James Wan, who we lovingly know from Saw. Yeah, and um, this is a big departure, but we'll also get into some of that later because there's a lot there as well. There's a lot to talk about that's not... <laughs> this movie? That's not this movie, but I mean, there's a lot to talk about with this movie as well. It's just a very interesting space and in horror at the moment. Yeah. And then it was written by Chad Hayes and Carrie W. Hayes. They are brothers. So it stars uh, Vera Farmiga, Patrick Wilson, Ron Livingston. Who looks kind of like a weird 1970s Mark Duplass in this movie. He does. He's got strong Duplass vibes. Yeah. Um, And then it also stars Lily Taylor and a bunch of actually very good um, young girl actresses who play the children. Including the star of the new Netflix hit, The Kissing Booth. True, and also the Hulu series, The Act. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I just randomly watched The Kissing Booth a while ago, and I was watching this, and I was like, she looks really familiar. It's Joey King. Yep. But when she's like a little tiny 13-year-old or something like that. She's much better in this than I thought she was in The Kissing Booth. The Kissing Booth didn't look like it was going to be good. She's really good in The Act. Um, The Act is about the Gypsy Rose Blanchard who uh, killed her mom. Oh, cool. That sounds awesome. It's a very interesting story about, like, Munchausen syndrome and stuff like that. It's, yeah. it's fascinating. Oh, I know what that story is. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's um, really wild. I read, wild. like, the huge article on it. But she's, um, I mean, she's fine in The Kissing Booth. It's just, like, a bad teenage yeah. rom-com type thing. Yeah. I think this gives her a little more to work with. Yeah. And The Conjuring's, like, she performs being scared well. I think she's maybe the best child actor in it. Yeah, a lot of stuff happens to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this had a pretty good-sized budget. Not surprisingly, it has a lot of CGI and stuff in it. Um, and it had a budget of $20 million. Yeah, but then it, you know, performed real well. Made uh, 319 on that. That is a crazy turnaround. It is. Like, excellent job. They did G-G. amazing. GG. All right, so let's get into what this movie is about. Yeah, so the movie starts off immediately, and we see our uh, N. Lorraine Warren. 
who are played by Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson. Extremely generous casting, can yes. I say. Uh, more for him than for her, but still. Um, and they're talking to, like, three young people who live as roommates. There are two women and a man who live together, and the women are nurses. Yes. I actually don't know if the man is a roommate I don't or think friend, that he is. I think he's, like, a friend, because like there's, like, that. a third person in their story when they're talking about it, but I think they're all women who gotcha. live together. And uh, they have this creepy-ass doll. One, why would anyone choose to have a doll that looks like that in their apartment? I don't know. They're like, they, I guess they find it at like a store, like a like a used uh, antique store. And they're like, oh, I guess we'll take this terrifying monster doll home with us. Yeah. Like the real Abigail doll looked like just a Raggedy Ann. Yeah. Which is normal. You can understand why someone would have a Raggedy Ann doll in their home. But this like, thing is just like terrifying. It's like a porcelain doll. You've seen it. It's everywhere. It's currently being advertised for the third Annabelle movie. Like, look out your window. There's a poster <laughs> there. Like, it's everywhere. Um, but they have this creepy ass doll. And um, weird things started happening around their apartment. And so they went to a medium. And the medium told them that there was a spirit of a little girl who wanted to, like, live in the doll. Because she wanted to live with them. And she'd been, like, murdered in the apartment. Yeah. And so they were like, sure, we'll let this ghost enter a physical form in our house. Don't do it. Don't do that. Do not. If a ghost wants to be in a doll in your house, no, don't. We had a little girl ghost in my house growing up. Don't let her go into a doll. No, we didn't. Don't. Smart. We talked to her through a Ouija board once. Interesting. What'd she have to say? Um, she told us her name was Casey. Cool. She literally used the letters K and C. I don't know if uh, it was supposed to be like Casey mm-hmm. or if like those were her initials or what. We Did you ever Casey. do like any research about anyone who died in your house? There wasn't much research on our house. There wasn't anything really going on. But our house used to be orange fields before that. Like Interesting. Orange groves. Hmm. So who knows? So these People are like, yes, uh, child ghost live in this doll. Yeah, and so obviously shit doesn't go well for them. Nope. And, like, the doll just keeps, like, showing up around places and, like, attacking things, like, photos, like, destroying photos. Yeah, they come home, like, the two girls who work together who are nurses, they come home and they have, like, a note, like, in front of the front door, right behind the front door that says, like, miss me. And it's written in crayon. They walk in, they see Annabelle, like, has, like, a red crayon in her hand. And they go into one of their bedrooms, and there are, like, photographs that have been, like, completely destroyed. Um, There's crayon all over all the walls and on the ceiling. And the ceiling also says, like, miss me. And they're like, okay, fuck this. So they take her down to the dumpster. Yeah. And then she comes back. Yeah, they wake up in the middle of the night, and they hear this, like, banging on their front doors. They open it. And nothing's there. But the note that said, miss me that they'd thrown away as well as back there. She's back. So then they go back into the house and they hear the banging from inside a closet and they open the closet and seemingly it's Ab- uh, Ab- Annabelle, not <laughs> Abigail. Um, I wrote <laughs> Abigail down. <laughs> you guys are really tired. Listen, it's been a real week. Um, okay. <laughs> but the, uh, Annabelle doll is um, back in the house. They're telling this as like a past tense story. And yeah, no one's in they're serious like danger here. Right, they're sitting there talking to Ed Lorraine Warren, and so they're like, "Okay, here's the facts. That's not a ghost. That's a demonic spirit, and you've let her into this doll. There was never Annabelle. There was never any girl named Annabelle. This is like all like, a big scam. Ghosts don't possess items, or even like I think ghosts possess people instead. They like they haunt say. people, yeah, and then and uh, demons get up in your dolls, a demon. yeah." 
And so uh, they just take it away and take it with them home. Yeah, and they're like, we'll put it in a safe place, which is a weird, like, room full of creepy shit that they have in their home. Is that still open, like, to the public? Yeah, you can visit it, I'm pretty sure. Oh my god, let's go. If you go to warrens.net, you can look it up. Saturday the 14th, field trip. Woo, 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 let's do it. Um, and so Now then, that I've shit-talked them on this podcast, <laughs> I don't know that they'll be into that, but... Um, it's fine. They're... I mean, they're dead. That's true. So... They are, they have both passed away. She passed away this year, I think. Yeah, it was pretty recently. Yeah. Um, so then we see Ed and Lorraine Warren answering questions about the Annabelle, cla- Annabelle case, like, in a classroom setting, and they kind of talk about, like, their history as demonologists, and they're, like, obviously this cute power couple who are both so beautiful in this movie. They really are. Like, good lord. I to be like the Warrens when I grow up. You want to be a clairvoyant, and you want Paul to become a demonologist. Actually, he'd be super into that. Let's not run that by him. <laughs> Do you think that you can develop clairvoyance in the time it would take him to become a demonologist? I mean, I've seen ghosts. There you go. Boom. You're there. I have a whole uh, a high emotional IQ. That's true. So, All right. So uh, I think if I work on it, sure. Why I support not? it. I'll be like your camera person. I'll be the, the camera guy that they have in this. Um, so then we flash to a couple years later, 1971. You and think, we see uh, the Annabelle stuff was like in 68 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. It's a little before this. And we see this beautiful family, um, Roger and Carolyn Perrin, who are played by Ron Livingston, a.k.a. Berger from Sex and the City, Carrie's hot writer motorcycle boyfriend. Um, Berger? Berger? I don't know. I honestly don't remember him from Sex and the City. I don't think he's in very many episodes, but he sense. is real hot. Um, so anyway, so they move in to this old farmhouse. They have five children. Five daughters. Five daughters, which is a lot of daughters to have. It's a lot of people in a house. It is. Um, but it's a pretty good-sized farmhouse. Apparently, the original one was a 14-bedroom. Yeah. yeah. Or 14-room, not 14-bedroom. Which is a pretty good size, honestly. Does that include the creepy hidden cellar or no? I don't know if they list that on the list. Spoiler listing. alert, there's a creepy hidden cellar. Um, their dog will not come in with them. No, Sadie, who's such a pretty dog. She's beautiful. She's like a collie yeah. or something like that. She's gorgeous. And she's like, I'm not into this shit. Um, and the youngest daughter, like, walks out to this, like, huge-ass tree. Right, because like, it's like a lakefront property. Kind of like yeah. the Amityville house, actually. But it's in Rhode Island. It's not in New York. And she um, finds a little music box underneath the tree. Yeah, and she's like, ooh, look at what I found. It's so cool. And her sister's like, come inside. We have to do things. Yeah. And so she brings it in with her. And they're all, like unpacking and stuff but that night um the kids decide to play this game that they love called hide and clap yeah and while they're doing it um they're like jostling around because it's five girls between the ages of probably like 13 and like five and so what they'll do is they will wear a blindfold and the people who are hide it's like hide and go seek but instead um the person who's looking has to wear a blindfold and the people who are hiding give three claps. Yeah. So the person who's looking will be like, okay, like first clap. And they'll <laughs> clap twice. Mm-hmm. And they'll go like in that direction. And then um, they'll go for the second clap and the third clap. And if they don't find them with the third clap, then the hiders win. Right. And so their parents are like, stop doing that. Like we're trying to unpack like you're causing all this problem. And they, they go into a closet for one of them. Yeah, one of them's hiding in the closet and the person wearing the blindfold like pounces on her like, I got you. Yeah. And then the wall breaks. Yeah, and so um, Roger, the dad, is like looking at it and behind that like, he can tell it's empty. Like, it sounds different and it looks different. And so he, like, kind of pries at it and he finds this little staircase down to, like, a hidden cellar. 
Yep. Which I feel like they should have known about, yeah, right? Wouldn't this show up in like a home inspection or something? Well, I don't know. I mean, they did mention that they bought it on auction. So maybe it was that's sort of like true. it's as is, like you get what you get, check it out and see what happens. Like, I mean, that's actually really common with like foreclosures and yeah. stuff. Um, but I guess they... Wouldn't you would just think that they reason. would like have that in the blueprints or yeah, any information. Kind of I, I mean, but, but I guess they don't. Also, it was like the seventies, so True. maybe uh, precautions in buying homes have changed since the seventies. Maybe this is why. Maybe it was actually this uh, story. This is, um, the Perrin family is not known because of the haunting, but because of the home inspection guidelines. They're, <laughs> history influenced so they go down well he goes down and he's looking around and there's like a piano down there and like a bunch of furniture i gotta be honest i would just look through all i would that would be like me dying and going to heaven just to just look around i would like peek down and be like nope not going down there i mean i wouldn't go down at night i would go down like during the day there still isn't sun it's still gonna be creepy and dark well yeah but there aren't any windows there's no ghost during the day there are always ghosts, Maggie. <laughs> but I mean, realistically, a ton of free shit in your basement? I mean, it's all buggy, though. Eh, maybe, maybe not. But uh, the piano, like, doesn't... It's got, like, sour notes and stuff like that. Like, it's not in good shape. Yeah. So I, maybe it wouldn't be that nice. But, um, anyway, so the first couple nights, uh, spooky stuff starts happening. Yeah, like the toilets are acting up and um, there's cold spots in the house. They keep talking about how like the house smells like rotten meat. Like, yeah. And one of the girls keeps like accusing her sister of farting. They're like, no, you're the one who's farting. You know, sisterly yeah. love. Um, the mom at one point, uh, Carolyn notices that she has like a big bruise on her leg that she doesn't yeah. know where it came from. And when she goes downstairs in the morning, um, she realizes that all the clocks in the house have stopped at 3.07 a.m. Interesting. Three. Three. 07. Yep. The witching hour, 07. Um, and then uh, the next day they find Sadie dead in the backyard, which is super sad and upsetting. Yeah. Poor thing. She knew better and she stayed outside and it didn't work out well for her. No. no but what would have happened if she went inside? Not good things. Either way, I think that dog was just yeah. doomed. Poor, Poor thing. baby, because she knew too much. Uh, <laughs> she did. And then... Uh, it kind of starts ramping up a little bit more. Like the next night, um, one of the girls starts sleepwalking, and like I think it's the youngest one. Yeah, April. Like she's walking, or I don't know which one it is. I don't really know. Um, but she walks around. She like hit her head into like this cabinet. Yeah, there's like a like a wardrobe in her bedroom that came with the house, and they haven't moved out. And she just keeps like smacking her head on it, and so they have to like take her back to bed. And then like one of the other sisters, I think it's Andrea in the middle of the night, like, turns to her sister who sleeps in the same room as her and is like, hey, stop grabbing my foot. Stop doing that. And her other sister, you can see, like, isn't close to her. She's like, I'm not doing anything. She's like, stop it. I told you to stop it. And then the youngest one, like, they all go to school and then they come back that night. And the youngest one, her mom walks in on her, like, sitting in her bedroom talking to nobody, right? Yeah. This happens when um, the youngest one's a little too young to go to school. She's, like, four. I think she's supposed to be, like, four or five or something like that. And so the others all go to school. And the mom comes in after, like, wishing them off and sees that she's talking to herself in this room. She's like, who the heck are you talking to? And she's like, I have a new friend, Rory. Yeah. And she's like, oh, like, how do you see Rory? Or, like, who's Rory? And she goes, well, what you do is you take this this music box, which is the music box she found outside, and you wind it up, and you look in the reflection, and when the music stops, then you'll see Rory. And so um, she she tries it, and it's, like, a very creepy setup for, like, a jump scare, but nothing happens. Well, the daughter does the jump scare. She's like, yeah, got she you, like, mommy. pops out. And she's like, I didn't see Rory. She's like, oh, well, maybe he doesn't want to come out right now or yeah. something like that. Um, 
And then the mom's like, okay, well, we'll play hide and clap. Do you want to go play hide and clap? She's like, yeah, I do. And so the mom decides that she's going to look for her daughter and the daughter's going to hide. Yeah. And so she does the first clap and she walks towards this certain area. And then she does the, she asks for the second clap and she can hear it coming from one of the bedrooms. Mm-hmm. And it's the one with the uh, big cabinet that the girl is hitting her head against. Yeah. And so she goes in and... And it's open this time. It opens while she's in right, there. Right. Um, but she can't see why. And so she hears it. She's like, oh man, I know where you are. She's like, third clap. And these hands come out from within the clothes. And clap. And clap. And then nothing happens to the mom. But like the daughter's like, oh, like you didn't find me. And she comes running in from another room. And the mom's like, what the hell? What do you mean? Like, And she like kind of freaks out about that. And it's sort of creepy. And then yeah. that night in bed... Um, Christine, I guess, the girl who had been um, thinking that her sister was pulling on her leg, feels that again, and she's like, stop it, I told you to stop it. And then you see, like, a hand grab her and, like, yank her down to the end of the bed. I don't actually even know if you see the hand. No, I think you just see her, yeah. You just see her get yanked, and there's nothing there pulling her. Yeah. And she starts, like, screaming her head off. And her sister wakes up, and she's like, what are you screaming about? And the door opens. Um, or the door had opened to their bedroom or something like that. And she's mm-hmm. like, there's something over there. It's there's like someone standing, standing behind, behind the, door. the door. Can't you see him? And the sister's like, no. And she gets up and she walks over and she's like, oh my God, he's standing right behind you. And the door then slams shut. Yeah, that part was fucked up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the whole family comes rushing in and she is like, yeah, the, he was talking to me. He said he wants the entire family dead. Yeah. All, it just all this weird stuff is happening. Like, Carolyn thinks that she hears clapping in the hallway at one point, so she goes down to check it out, and she gets stuck in the basement. Like, the yeah, she, she, she tries to go down there. clapping noise, and she thinks it's the kids, and she goes, so this is a different night. Yeah. I think this is, like, the next night. It's basically, like, a night after night of, of all just these weird instances. Shit. Yeah. And uh, she hears the clapping, so she goes downstairs, and she, um, like, starts going towards the basement. She, like, falls in or something, like, pushes her mm-hmm. or something like that, and then she gets locked in. Then simultaneously, while this is happening... Ooh, but the scene where she's locked in is when she she's up at the top of the stairs, right, and she has the matches, Yeah. and the hands, like, come out from behind her, and they clap, like, and they clap right head. next to her head, and she's like, what the fuck? And then there's no one there. Yeah. It's... All of the clapping stuff is so scary, and they I've kind of leave it alone. This game before. No, I haven't either, but it is a smart idea. It's a great game. I'm never going to play it because I'm associated with this movie. Right. And it's actually really, like, the scares are good in this. Like, I was watching it. I was like, I'm actually kind of creeped out at times. Like, yeah. I was actually disappointed that they didn't keep going with the clap stuff at all. Because I thought they were really creepy. And the hands appearing out of nowhere was creepy. And then after the basement scare, they don't really come back to it. No. I think it would have been good if it was, like, Rory trying to play with the family. They could have done something yeah. like that. But maybe they tried and just, like, they had to cut stuff. Maybe. Yeah, I guess. It's already like almost a two it's hour a long, long movie. movie for sure. But it is well. It the is second really one is over tool. two hours long. I thought Damn. about watching it before I came down here and it is 133 minutes long. Yeah. I was like, I'm long. not doing that. I'll watch it eventually. Um, but then so while she's locked in the basement, and these hands are terrorizing her with claps because aren't we all just scared of being clapped near? Um, I get By scared a every ghost. time there's applause. <laughs> um, but Two of the other daughters uh, end up getting attacked by, like, a spirit on top of the wardrobe. Yeah, and it's, like, this scary, spooky old lady. 
Yeah, it's really terrible. He like jumps looking. at them and like vomits in their mouth, right? Is that the vomiting in the mouth? No, part? the vomiting in the mouth happens later, I think. She's gross though. She like spits at him or something. That's yeah. really disgusting. Um, and so Carolyn's like, fuck this shit. I'm going to go find Ed and Lorraine Warren because I've heard about their Annabelle work. And while this is happening um, before now, there are a couple shots that are just interspersed that have like Ed and Lorraine like talking. Like at some point we see them go to a haunted house and they actually debunk it and they're like, it's just pipes. Like you're fine. Yeah. And another time we see them talking about um, a previous, like, traumatic event, which will be released fully. Like, we'll- yeah, they talk about how, like, there something bad happened at an exorcism with her. Yeah. And that's kind of but all that's that as they... far as they go into it. They yeah. go into it later a little bit more. Um, but so we see them, and here they're giving a talk. And they're yeah. giving a talk about a different exorcism that happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have the whole classroom full of people, again, who are asking questions. And Caroline is in the crowd. Mm-hmm. And so she goes to talk to them afterwards and is like, hey, uh, please come check out my house. And they're like, oh, it's probably nothing. You know, like 90% of these cases, there's nothing going on. She's like, no, like, you need to see this shit. Yeah. And they're like, well, all right, we'll do it. And so they go. um, And they look around and they're like, okay, so based off of all of this stuff, you might need the house to be exercised. Yeah. They do like just an initial walkthrough where it's just like Ed and Lorraine. Yeah. Like like, Ed's like feeling cold spots and hot spots in the attic and stuff like that. And Lorraine's just like seeing ghosts everywhere. Yeah. Just the second she walks in, she sees like weird stuff standing near people, and like also she's very creeped she's like, out. Yeah, it's the whole attached time. to your back. Yeah, um, but they do come back with a whole crew of people. They have like a police officer that always works with them, right? Because what they need to do, so they have to get authorization from the Catholic Church, because you can't just perform an exorcism. Like you have to be authorized, um, and they need evidence because they don't just give authorization to everyone. So they're like, okay, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna come back document all this stuff, reach out to the Catholic Church, then they'll give us the okay, and then we can go ahead and clear your place of ghosts. They set up, like, cameras that take photos when there's, like, an extreme change in temperature. They uh, set up, they have, like, a UV lamp. They have, like, a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah, because what they think it is is they think that there was this woman, um, Bathsheba, Bathsheba Sherman, who used to live on the property, who was a witch and who sacrificed her baby to the devil and then killed herself. So, like, there's a thing where like she sees um Lorraine Warren sees like Bathsheba's dead body hanging outside of the house um it's amazing that this house 110 years later has the same exact tree with the same exact branch in the same exact position you wouldn't think it would be that way but I guess that it is you know it's interesting or maybe the ghost is just projecting you know maybe that that branch is no longer there maybe and so she's like well this is basically what it was like so they're like, okay, that's probably what it is. We'll keep an eye on it. We'll check it out. So they get this cute little cameraman. He's um, adorable. He's so cute. And so he comes, and they have the police officer that they work with uh, sometimes. And so they're, like, setting cameras up, and they're setting bells around the house so they can hear, like, when people walk up and down, like, what's going on. Um, And they don't really see anything the first night. Yeah, they have, like, a camera goes off, like, once or something like that, mm-hmm. like... Something small happens. I don't remember exactly what, but it's pretty minimal that night. Yeah. But then the next day, um, Ed is talking to Roger about, like, the case that they had. Where Lorraine apparently, like, touched the um, person who's possessed by the demon. When she touches, like, that's when she, like, gets feelings and stuff. And uh, she got so upset by whatever she saw that she didn't eat for eight days and just like locked herself in her room and her didn't talk yeah and she like we see clips of it happening and it's obviously like a really fucked up exorcism but like he doesn't ask her what she saw at any point and he's like 
I think Roger is like, oh, did you ask her? Like, what did she see? And he's like, I, I wouldn't ask her about that. No. Like, she wouldn't tell me. Um, and so they're back at that house that night um, to do some more. And they see Cindy, who's, uh, I think, like, the youngest or one of the youngest. Yeah. She's the one who sleepwalks. And she's sleepwalking up into Andrea's room. And uh, so she goes up and there are photographs being taken and they're like oh why are you taking photographs of her they're like we're not doing that like it's caused by the temperature change so there's something with her yeah and And so so they they're like well we should stop her right like she's maybe an agent they're like no no we have to like watch her we have to see what happens and so they kind of follow her all the way up and they hear like a spirit trying to like convince her to come with it into um andrea's bedroom and uh they go inside and the door slams shut yeah. she's like everyone's like shit like that girl is in there and they can't get it open they can't get it open they finally get it open she's not inside and they grab the uv lamp and they yes. can see um her footprints leading to the cabinet right and so they open it up and they try to she's not in there and then they realize it's like a fake back basically and they open up the back and there's like a hole in the wall and there's yeah. like a secret little like hideaway spot yeah and Lorraine goes in there and she's like trying to look around. They find Cindy. Yeah, they get her out. She's fine. She's okay. Um, she but, doesn't remember anything that but happens. Then the, I think it's April who's the youngest daughter actually. Yeah. Um, she's the one who was playing with the uh, box. She's mm-hmm. like, oh, that's where Rory likes to hide. Yeah. And when he's like, scared, like he goes this. there. Yeah. And Lorraine's like, okay, well, I'll go in and see what's happening. And of course, she falls like four stories down. She would yeah. be dead. I don't know if she'd die, but she'd be she'd be more, more hurt than, than she than not at all. She gets like a little tiny cut on her face. Yeah, after she fell through a narrow shaft for like forty feet. But so she falls, and uh, in there she sees the ghost of this woman, and the woman keeps saying like, "Look what she made me do," which and she has like a wrist slashed. Um, I just kept hearing uh, Taylor Swift, look what you made me do. When she said, anyway. Uh, yeah, they and, had to cut a dance sequence from this one. They thought it was uh, I think this movie came out before that song. There's actually a scene in The Sixth Sense that this really reminded me of. There's like, oh, do you remember yeah. that one? Like he walks into the kitchen and there's the lady with the cut wrist who's like, you're a terrible husband, Harry. Look what you made me do. Yeah. That's all I could think of. That's a really good point. Anyway, yeah, it is very similar. And she, um, but this woman in the basement, back to the movie, um, <laughs> She keeps saying, like, look what she made me do. And you see her, like, killing it, killing Rory. Yeah. And so what Lorraine realizes, like, they all, she gets saved. Um, yeah, they, the like, find her and okay. she gets out of there. Um, but what she realizes is that Bathsheba possesses a mother in order to kill the children. Yeah. And something, actually, that we missed, um, forgot to talk about earlier, is during the day, like, when roger and ed are talking lorraine is like doing laundry in the backyard and like a sheet flies away and like hits a body yeah and like there's like a silhouette created by it and then disappears and keeps floating and it flows up to a window and then when it drops there's something in there's someone in the window and she turns around and that was the mom's Mm -hmm. room yeah and so she runs up thinking like something's going wrong with mom because the mom is taking a nap and we see that uh bathsheba the scary which lady is uh floating over the mom yeah and then pukes into her mouth that's the part yeah that reminded me of uh drag me to hell and then also uh puts like her hand on her arm and like it immediately bruises and so like the mom caroline she like keeps getting all these bruises mm-hmm. and we don't know where they're coming from it's now it's clear like every time the uh bathsheba touches her that's when she's getting bruised right um and so at this point the parents are like in a hotel or a motel yeah, and, yeah. so like, that happened earlier in the movie yeah um and then like when 
Lorraine ran up there. She was like, I'm totally fine. Mm-hmm. And then everything else happened. So I just yeah. forgot to talk about that. Um, and so the parent family, they're at a hotel. Ed and Lorraine are like, okay, we're going to like take this shit to the church. They're going to see it. And they're going to be like, okay, yes, do the exorcism. That'll be great. Um, and then she has like a, a feeling that something's wrong with their daughter. Because their do- they have a daughter, um, Judy. They have a daughter named Judy who's currently at home with Lorraine's mom. And Lorraine calls and is like, hey, is everything okay with Judy? Like, what's going on? And the mom's like, yeah, yeah, everything's totally fine. And then after they hang up, like, Annabelle, the daughter gets Annabelle out. No, the daughter has, like, a weird vision. I think the daughter is, like, maybe supposed to be clairvoyant as well. And when um, Lorraine had fallen into the basement, she had a locket that had a picture of her daughter in it Mm -hmm. and left behind, which, like, Taught, like told Bathsheba about the daughter. Right. So it seems like Bathsheba's like fucking with the daughter in order mm-hmm. to get to Lorraine. Yeah. Um, because they said she'd be like a lot more aggressive once they realized there was a threat. Right. So the daughter like sees her sitting in like a rocking chair, um, like holding the doll, and then the doll's like head just turns towards her and she's like screaming. And you can tell there isn't actually anything there, like Right. Um yes. and then the grandmother can't get in and then uh and learn they're like driving home they get home and they hear the screaming they run in they're able to get in and the daughter explains what's going on yeah so then lorraine's like okay this is very bad and like some worse shit is gonna go down so after this happens carolyn shows back up at the motel so we're kind of flipping between locations between the warrens and the parents and carolyn shows back up at the hotel and she is full-on possessed by Bathsheba at this point yeah so she just goes and she like takes the two youngest kids and leaves and just leaves with them and they get a phone call from Roger being like, what the fuck, Caroline just took these two girls and, like, left. Like, what's going on? Yeah, and they're and like, we need to – they're like, you get back to the house right away. That's where they're going. We're going to meet you there. We are on our way. So yeah. they haul ass over there, and they get into the house, and they find Carolyn. Like, they kind of have to look around for her. But she's in the cellar. She's in the cellar, and she is trying to murder her daughter. Yeah, with scissors. Yes, and uh, they kind of tackle her and end up tying her to a chair, but they put, like, a cloth over her. Yeah. And so, like, for the majority of the scene, you just see, like, her shape underneath a cloth, or at some point there's, like, a rip in the cloth, so you see part of her face, and she, like, pukes blood, and there's blood all over the cloth. Yeah, it's fucked up. Um, and they're talking about, like, they really need to go get, like, this priest for the exorcism. They try to actually drag her out of the house, but her face starts burning. Yeah. And, and then she gets, like, thrown, like, 40 feet backwards. Yeah, they realize they can't take her out of the house, otherwise it'll kill her. So yeah. they don't have time to go get the priest. So uh, Ed decides he's going to just fucking do it himself. Yeah. So he's, like, reading the thing, and he's got the cross, and he's, like, doing the whole thing. And she, like, levitates off of the ground, and, like, her chair spins upside down, and she, like, throws a bookcase at him. Yeah. Like, um, at some point, there's, like, a gun that was brought with by the police officer, and it, like, cocks itself and gets ready to shoot them. Yeah. And also, um, while this is going on, yeah, we only know where April is. We don't know where Cindy is. So yeah. one of the daughters is missing. And so the other, um, the, like, keep the camera guy, guy yeah. He decides to go searching for her. Yes. And he thinks he hears her coming from a... um, The floor underneath the kitchen. Yeah. Which kind of leads down into the basement. So it's sort of near where they are. are. And so um, he's like hacking, trying to get through the floor while all this is happening. Yeah. And while uh, Ed's trying to exercise 
Caroline slash Bathsheba. Yeah. So the photographer guy, he actually ends up like getting through the floor and he finds her and he starts yeah. yelling like, I found her. I found her. She's underneath. She's underneath the floor in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And uh, Caroline slash Bathsheba like, hears it and she like goes running in that direction. Yeah. And they're like, we got to go after her. Yes. Yeah, so they this all run after so bad. her. But she like fits through this hole and no one else can fit through this hole for some reason except yeah, for her. I feel like she's not that small. Not, she's like, like a very normal sized like, woman. Lorraine or similar sizes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see why she couldn't have gotten through. I don't know either. Maybe it's once somebody's down there, there's not enough room for another person. Maybe. But so they're like trying to grab her and hold on to her. And like, and Lauren like sticks his head through a hell. He's like, go back to hell or whatever. Yeah. Like finishes the exorcism. And then like the rest of it's supposed to be like up to Caroline to um, like exercise with the rest of the way. She's like push her out of her body. Yeah. And so Lorraine, she told Lorraine like this nice story about like them going to the beach together and like. Uh, they were excited to start like a new life. It was right before they moved in and they had this cute picture of all of them, which was very Photoshopped. That's neither here nor there. Um, And so Lorraine's like, listen to me, like remember the day on the beach. And she starts to like describe it in really great detail. Like you can tell she's kind of having a vision of it. It seems she had like a vision when she initially touched the photograph early in the movie. And so she's explaining it trying to like i think like seeing it again trying to like push it into uh her mind yeah but so it distracts carolyn and like lets her pull through enough that like ed can finish the exorcism all the way and like yeah uh bathsheba is gone and it's all good yeah and uh so that's that and ed and lorraine go home and they get a message stating that they've been gained they've gotten approval from the catholic church for the exorcism and they're like so that's good i guess yeah and uh but then they also have another case on long island that they have to go uh investigate and then um but they took the music box with them they add it to their little collection and so then when they leave um it like pops open and it plays its little song and it's winding around and around and it's like ooh, what's gonna happen so suspenseful is it gonna be a jump scare and it's not. It just cuts to black, and that's the end of the movie. And then, like, through the credits, you actually see real photographs of, like, the Warrens and of the Perrin family. And all yeah, because this was, like we said, it was based off of a real, quote-unquote, real event. There's also, like, a fancy quote that it ends with from Ed Warren that talks about, like, making choices between, like, the good and the evil and stuff. God, what a fucking person. He is a fucking person. Yeah, I mean, it's very self-indulgent. I guess it's not. This movie wasn't made by him, so whatever, but... But to be fair, um, his wife was very heavily involved. Yes, she was. Um, So the director of this movie is James Wan, like we talked about. He was not super involved in the movie itself. Um, Like that's stupid obviously he was he directed it so he was very involved but (laughs) but he didn't write the movie it wasn't his concept um the way that he came to this is so as you guys probably know and as we mentioned earlier he directed saw and killed it and did an amazing job and then after saw he said that his agent was basically like you have to make something else right now because if you lose this momentum that's that you just you have to keep working so if this is a flop then you'll have something else that's going on and if this is like successful then you'll have something else to like keep it going with and he was like okay i guess i have to do that but he didn't have any ideas yeah so he said he was just like trying so hard to put something out he referred to it as being like creativity at gunpoint which i think is a really interesting way of phrasing it and so he and lee wannell who was his collaborator on saw and on a bunch of his other projects they made this movie called dead silence it has a dummy right it does it's a ventriloquist dummy who kills people because of an old curse or something like that yeah, I've read the Wikipedia synopsis of that a bunch of times. I haven't actually seen it. Yeah, I haven't really given it any thought. Um, aside from the fact that he apparently loves creepy, creepy dolls. dolls, which somebody actually asked him about um, 
working on his next project uh, when he was doing Insidious. And he said that when he was a kid, he saw Poltergeist when he was like five or six. And there's that like creepy doll clown scene. Oh, yeah. That stuck with me, too. Like, yeah. The arms get really long. Yeah. It's like terrifying because I was like scared of dolls and scared of clowns and it's a clown doll. It's the worst. I was like, mom, why are you showing me this movie? This is terrifying. I hate this. (laughs) And so he was like, well, that stuck with me and I've just been like really afraid of dolls. I think they're super creepy. So they show up in like basically every one of his movies. I'm happy. Honestly, Annabelle turned out well, but he did make the most terrifying looking doll possible. Dude, for real. She's so scary. But anyway, Dead Silence didn't do well. I guess it's kind of revived a little bit as like a sleeper hit cult classic type of thing but like yeah but it wasn't anything like how that's did or how saw no, did not know? at all and so then i guess there was a kind of period where he he did a, an action movie with kevin bacon and that didn't do well either and so then he took a little break and he was like i'm just gonna like write and think about things and like see what happens and then he did insidious which also turned out to be a really big series and that's also yeah. a blumhouse series and it's also it stars patrick wilson hey so there's a little bit of a connection there and that got really good reviews, and it was a supernatural film as well. It's also about a child who was possessed by a demon after moving into a new house. Yeah, and there are like four of them now. Yeah, there's five, a ton of them. They, they, like they, there's they, a good there's three and then the final key, which is the fourth one, but it's there not. There are at least four, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's not gruesome in the same way. That, that's kind of interesting is that like there's not, not a lot of bloody shit that he's done after Saw. But and Saw he wasn't actually even bloody. No, but the sequels got bloody. And it was... But he wasn't involved in the sequels, Quote, unquote, really. bloody for the time. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought... I've only seen, like, the second Insidious, I think. Yeah. Um, the website I used to work for did, like, a contest with oh, Insidious. Cool. So I had to watch it at work. Well, oh, gosh. When Insidious 2 was on Netflix... And it was, like, fine. Yeah. It wasn't great. I haven't seen it, but it is definitely on my to-watch list. It's interesting. Um, But he said that he specifically decided that he didn't want to do... He wanted to do a horror movie that didn't have a drop of blood in it because he didn't want people to just think of him under, like, Saw terms. He wanted to prove that he could do something else and do something that was more, like, high quality or had more integrity or whatever. What I think was so good about Saw... um, is that, like, yes, there was some blood in it, but the first one wasn't super bloody. Mm-hmm. And then, like, what was scary about it wasn't the gore. Like, later right. on in the movies, like, in Saw 4 or all the ones that just, like, come out later, like, it's all about, like, look at the grossest things they're doing to each other. Right. But the first one isn't scary. Like, those aren't the scary scenes. Right. The scary stuff is, like, not the, the trapped feeling of it and, like, not yeah. knowing how you're going to get out or why you're there or any of that stuff. And, like, the family being held hostage. That kind of stuff is really I'd scary. I'd say it's really grungy. I wouldn't call it the first Saw gory. True. Um, but I think maybe, you know, and maybe, honestly, by this point, there were more Saw movies. So, so maybe he was like, I don't want to be that guy. And people who haven't seen Saw associate Saw with blood. Right. Exactly. I did before I saw it. Yeah, definitely. Before I saw it. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he was like, cool i don't want to like i want to prove to people that i have integrity and that i can tell a good story that doesn't have to be bloody or gory yeah and he did that with insidious i think it it got pretty good reviews it did um and so then he was approached to direct the conjuring he did not write it um he didn't work with wanel on it at all even though he did on insidious carrie and chad hayes um wrote it and they wrote it with like they were on the phone on a regular basis with the warrens well with Lorraine. I think Ed was gone at this point. Yeah. Um, and to his credit, James Wan has remained a producer on all of the extended Conjuring Universe movies, him, which man. means he has got so much money between Combined that and with, Saw. Yeah, him staying as a producer on Saw movies. And the Insidious like, movies. He just is like set for life. Dude, he was 
brilliant about how he handled that stuff. Yeah, those were good deals on his part. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's really interesting that about Lorraine Warren's involvement in this movie. Yes. I was reading that she said that she didn't want it to be over-dramatized too much. So there are certain things she was like, no, don't dramatize this too much. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a good thing to say if you want to sound like you're reasonable and you're also feeding someone an insane, crazy story about a ghost. Yeah, because then you like, have a like person tied to a chair and the chair's on the ceiling. They're upside down. It's like, oh, but don't don't make it too crazy. Like, what like, actually happened in that house? Yeah, that's, I don't know. I don't know. Did we talk about Ed and Lorraine Warren? We did we talk about, about them a bit, yeah. Because you also had very strong feelings about them. I then, do. I, I think for those who didn't necessarily listen to the Amityville episode or for those who listened to it a while ago, we should talk about them again. Yeah. So, I mean, in this universe, um, and I guess this all would predate the Amityville stuff because this is 71 and that was supposed to have happened in the like movie. The, or the book came out 70s. in 77. So... In the real world, outside of this universe, they are best known probably, well, at this point, probably for the Conjuring stuff. But before this, they were best known for their involvement in the Amityville horror. And I do think the Annabelle story was one that they were famous for as well. Even though it hadn't been, like, turned into anything, it was just, like, a famous haunted story that's supposed to be, like, a true yeah that's true that's true that was famous as well that's actually i think why they include it in the beginning of this movie because it was what people would have known it's what people knew the warrens for that's true the amityville horror movie didn't include the warrens it did not which i think is interesting because they are included to a degree in the book but i guess they weren't super involved in it um I mean, I think everything in the movie and stuff takes place before they're involved yeah that would have been like like, they showed up and they're like yep it's haunted you know they could turn the amityville they could redo Amityville and part, like make it a part of the Conjuring universe if they wanted to. I don't know if they can get those right. That's true. That'd be very That's expensive. actually probably why they decided to make the Conjuring. Who did the original um, Amityville? So um, based on a lot of purchases, it looks like, <laughs> I believe, but don't quote me, that Orion Pictures might have the rights for Amityville. Okay. And if that's true, then that means that MGM probably has them. Right. So WB can't do anything with it. Because I'm sure they already would have done something. It would make sense. Yeah. But anyway. Or they would so, have at least mentioned it in some way. Yeah, you would think. Um, I can't. And so I think that's why, like, it has so many similarities. Like, yeah. like, okay, let's take stuff that was real for the Warrens. Let's bring in the, some things from other famous Warren cases. <laughs> Amityville Horror, um, but without calling it that because yeah. they probably couldn't do the rights. That's true. And at this point, if they did make an Amityville Horror with the Warrens, it would seem like a retread of the Conjuring because they are super similar, sim- super similar in terms They're of their so concept. They're so similar, like because the the child just sitting in a room talking to nothing. The rocking, like, we- the rocking friend. chair, because there's a rocking chair out on the front porch that rocks on its own at one point in this movie. Yep. There's the um, clock stopping at 3 a.m. and like yeah. that's when all the creepy stuff happens. The dog doesn't like the house. The guy, the dad is obsessed with the furnace for a little while. Other there. than like the weird uh, well full of blood in the basement. Yeah, they don't have that in this one for sure. Which makes sense because I have a hard time believing that part actually happened. I don't think that that was included in the book, although I'm not sure but anyway aside from amityville um ed and lorraine warren ed was a demonologist apparently he was the only uh certified demonologist who wasn't officially a part of the catholic church well great for him he was a former um police officer who taught himself how to be a demonologist as one might do 
Gotta, gotta make a career swap. I know I just graduated and everything, but now I Are like you I thinking go... about going back to school for your demonology degree? I am. I think that would be a really good um, use of my time. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then Lorraine Warren was a clairvoyant, according to Lorraine Warren. Probably harder to go to school for. Yeah, I think you have to be born with that. She says that she was born with it and that it was very difficult for her as a young child and Aww. that Ed was the first person she could ever really talk to about it. Aww. Which is kind of sweet. When she talks about him, it's cute. She talks about how he smelled like seawater the first time that they met because he had just been swimming in the ocean. That's adorable. And also, the uh, Warrens in this movie are like totally couple girls. Oh my they're god, so cute. they're so cute Very and they're religious. so hot. They talk nonstop about how like God brought them together for a reason. Yeah. Um, but they're such a pretty couple. They're very beautiful. And they just love each other so much. They do. And the real ones founded the New England Society for Psychic Research in 1952. Um, so they, they, you know, made a name for themselves. And um, in addition to the Hayes brothers calling her to talk about the, the um, script, Vera Farmiga also met with her in person. And so she, like, really studied not only, like, the clothes that she wore at the time and, like, old pictures, but she met with her and learned about the way that she talked and smiled and carried herself, which I think is really super interesting. I always appreciate it when people do that. And I found a little interview with the two of them together. And it was cute. They seem like they really like each other. I like it. Which is sweet. I think it's nice. Um... And so then that brings us to the other group of people who are involved the in this. Parents. The parents. who are mostly still alive, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, what, I guess that makes sense. It was just the 70s. They're like, not... 40 years ago? Yeah, they wouldn't have been... Almost 50 years ago? Yeah, so they might be in their 70s or 80s now. Yeah. But, um, Andrea Perrin, who is the daughter, um, who is now probably in her 60s, mm-hmm. um, she said that a couple of things that happened in the movie... Um, didn't happen the way that they said. Like, for one thing, the family lived in the house for nine years. Yeah, I think the idea was after the Warrens' involvement, like, things calmed down and they didn't have enough money to get rid of their house. They actually mentioned... Yeah, but in real life, apparently, Andrew Perrin says that, like, there was stuff happening pretty much the whole time that they were there. Like, even after the Warrens were involved, like, stuff still kind of... It's still weird and Yeah. Off. They just sort of stayed and stuck with it. Yeah. Um, they mentioned briefly in the movie, and I know because I was reading this, and so I caught, like, it's just a one-liner where they're like, we can't afford to move. We, like, put all our money in this house. We bought it at auction from the bank, and there's seven of them, and so they can't go stay with anyone because, right. like, no one wants to put up seven people. It's true. So they actually didn't have an option as to whether or not they could move, and that was what the reason why they stayed around for so long in this house. Yeah, which I appreciate them giving a reason. Yeah. I mean, like, in Amityville, they last for, like, a little while, and then they, like, peace out. But, like, if you have, a, like, a family of seven, yeah, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? Yeah. You put up with a weird ghost that lives in your basement, you know? Uh, also, apparently, stuff started happening at 5.15 a.m., not 3.07 a.m. But 3.07, or, well, 3 o'clock is, like, the witching hour. And in Amityville, that's, like, roughly when stuff started happening, yeah. too. So that feels like an intentional connection to me. Uh, Lorraine Warren also denied that she would ever have that she or Ed would ever have performed an exorcism. Yeah, as neither it was of them were seance instead. And similar things happened where like things went like off the rails. They just instead of they just talked to the ghost instead of getting rid of it. Yeah, well, I guess that she did levitate. Yeah, and she did speak in a voice that was not her own. Yeah, and that's per Andrea, I think, or Christina. Mm-hmm. One of the kids apparently was like eavesdropping and watching it while it was happening and she said that she heard her mom talk in somebody else's voice yeah yeah but then in real life um roger perrin kicked the warrens out after the seance he was like get out this is too weird shit which i 
100% understand. Because if I invited people into my house and then Tim started levitating and flipping upside down, I'd be like, maybe you guys should just go. Uh, and then I guess that brings us to Bathsheba Thayer Sherman. Who apparently is a real person. She is, and you can find her on Find a Grave. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord. You can, like, find where her grave is. So, you know, if we're ever in uh, Rhode Island. Let's go. Road let's trip. go visit her grave. We're already going to the Warren Museum. Let's do it. We'll next time, next time we're, we should. Trip. Yeah, we'll do, like, an East Coast. We'll go to Salem. We'll go to. Beautiful. It'll be great. Um, so, okay. So she was a real person, and she definitely existed. She apparently lived next door to the parent house, not on the actual property. Okay. But this is another thing. It's really, really hard to find accurate sources for this. I found a lot of completely unsourced articles being like, here's the real story of Bathsheba Thur- Sherman, which I don't know if any of that stuff was right. Yeah. Because I tried to find it, but it's like all just the same article kind of copied and pasted and copied and pasted, which a lot of supernatural stuff is. Because Yeah. So I don't know if this is accurate. Um, it does seem like she was accused of either killing one of her children or of killing a neighbor's child because the child had a head injury that indicated foul play. Gotcha. But she was exonerated in the court of law, but then it seems like the like people who lived in her neighborhood still thought she was like an evil witch. Yeah, so who knows what actually happened there. There is some kernel of truth to that. And, I mean, a lot of the other murders they even talk about in the movie happened in the general area. Yeah, not the house itself. No, the idea is supposed to be like Bathsheba owned the land right. originally that was on or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's all sort of a fictionalized version of probably a legend story of this thing and that thing. And I don't know. Don't go to the actual Conjuring house, though. Don't the, the people who live there now don't want you to go. There. <laughs> like, go to Bathsheba Sherman's grave. Sure. Leave her a little flower or something. OK. Don't bug nice people who don't, live in a house. Those poor people, they moved into a house. And now apparently after the Conjuring thing happened, like people oh, have been no. stopping by. It's not the house where they shot it. It looks completely different. But, like, there's photos of it online. Yeah. So you can see it. We talked a lot about the real-life happenings as well as, um, like, kind of how this movie got made. But let's talk a little bit about, like, the other movies that influenced or were influenced by it. Dude, this movie references so many movies. I don't know if all of them are intentional, but I found... I was literally just making a list while I was watching it of, like, this thing reminds me of that movie. This thing reminds me of this movie. Like, obviously, we've talked a lot about the Amityville horror stuff, like, down to the fact that Ron Livingston is dressed almost exactly like James Brolin in they Amityville. They look so similar. They're wearing, like, a like a buffalo check shirt with, like, a big, like, a farmer jacket over Ron it. Ron Livingston's hotter, though. Oh, God, he's so hot. Um, yeah, they He have... is 2010's hot. Yeah, he is. Not 70s Brolin hot. might be 70s hot, but this man is right now hot. <laughs> um, they do also mention something about, like, toilet problems, but there aren't actually toilet problems in the house. It's just they keep smelling something. They're like, oh, right. something's wrong with the toilet. Yeah. Which, it seems like a little throwaway line. Yeah, I like that. Um, there's the dog, of course. Um, yeah, and I thought it was funny that he keeps talking at the beginning about how he has to, like, go tend to the furnace. And in the Amityville Horror, mm. that becomes like an obsession. You're of like, right. I have to feed the furnace. I have to feed the furnace. And in this one, it's more just like, I have to go feed the furnace because it is so goddamn cold in this house that yeah. like, we're going to freeze. And I thought that that was going to end up that like, then Ron Livingston was going to be the one who was really affected by the house. But it's not. It's his wife. Which I, I liked. I thought it was really well done. Yeah. But it's still that thing where like, the house affects one parent more than the other. Yep. Which also reminded me of um, Haunting of Hill House. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, God, it's so good. It's nothing like the book. The book is also great. 
so watch the TV show first so that it's not even in your mind to compare Sounds the two because they're completely different things. But you should definitely watch it. You will really, really like it. I will. You will love but it. No spoilers. I won't tell you anything, but one parent is definitely affected more by the house than the other. Okay. Um, I also saw a lot of poltergeist things, which I think makes sense because he has that, like, childhood fear of the poltergeist clown. Yeah. Like, the like them setting up the cameras in the house reminded me of, like, when they come in with, like, the little lady from the poltergeist. From the poltergeist. From poltergeist. I wonder if she was inspired at all by Lorraine Warren. I hope so. She has the big hair. And she, Lorraine Warren I had mean, the big like, hair. I mean, like, if you look at old pictures of Lorraine Warren, she looks like, like there's her. a little bit of uh, overlap there. And then there's, like, a scene where there's just, like, a staticky television for a really long time and i don't know why like it doesn't have any narrative connection to the rest of it but it just made me think of like the little girl from poltergeist sitting in front of the the um television i honestly don't remember the static tv it's and- only one shot it's not important to the story at all which is what made me think of it is like there's no reason to show it so it might just be like a little so reference it, on james wan's part yeah and then there's the little girl the little blonde girl who's super affected by everything that's true and she gets she talks to the ghosts yep when other people don't yep and then one of the kids gets trapped there's the room. First off, she goes into the room and then disappears, which happens in Poltergeist. Yep. Um, and then she's stuck in like a place where they know that she's... It's a much shorter period of time where she's stuck somewhere, but it's still that sense of like the kid is stuck somewhere in the house, but you like cannot see them. Oh, that's a good point. And I thought that was really interesting. I thought it... Like see, it was a lot of subtle little... It I felt like it. there's a lot of uh, a less gruesome slash less offensive version of uh, exorcist at times oh yeah i got a lot of exorcist from this like when she was possessed her face looked so similar um to the face of the girl in the exorcist yeah and there's the like the voice change thing Mm -hmm. and i think that honestly they kind of look a little alike like lily taylor looks like she could be a grown-up version of linda blair a hundred percent like they're similar looking women yeah no i definitely saw that um and then uh the cross is, like, I guess that's normal for exorcism. Like, crosses, yeah. like, fall over. I mean, it's less, like, gruesome yeah. is going to be the word I'm going to uh, use for the exorcist. Yeah. There's not some of the crucifix action in this. No, that, it's just they just, like, fall over yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, there's the puking. The lady pukes another lady's mouth. Yeah. There's the levitating. Yep. Um, and obviously just the whole exorcism... The whole exorcism itself is, I mean, I think every single exorcism in pop culture and in movies and television has been influenced by The Exorcist. Oh, 100%. Like, I think it's impossible to make an exorcism movie that's not influenced by it. But I did kind of think that it sort of broke down into two camps, which was, like, there's the haunted house side of it, which is mostly drawn from Amityville, and then there's the possession part of it, which is mostly drawn from The Exorcist. And it's sort of like they put them together into one big movie. Yeah, I also thought of The Orphanage a lot. Because of the fake wall. I feel wall. like this is almost like an anti-orphanage. Yeah. Where, like, the orphanage was, like, about a mom who, like, loved her children so much she'd go through any efforts to, like, save them. And this one's about a mom who likes to kill her children and then possesses others to do the same. That is true. But there's the the game. The game. The hand game, game thing. Yeah, the one, two, three. Like, knock, knock on the wall. And the hidden hideaway spot in the closet yep. that goes down to the basement. Yeah. That causes them serious problems. Secret cellar. Um, and again, there's the, the, like, bringing the medium in and, like, recording people walking through the house and that whole thing, which is, again, similar to Poltergeist, but it's kind of... Speaking of which, I actually really liked that, uh, 
in this movie they show like uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren going to a house and being like, no, this isn't a haunting and trying yeah. to like, turn stuff down. Yeah. I mean, like most of the time it's nothing. That was a really smart move. Because that way them. it's not like, a, oh, they all like jump at any opportunity. It's like, no, they only do things they actually believe in. I thought that right. was really well done. Yeah, I think so too. Because a lot of times you see like the cameras set up and the infrared and all that jazz and it's just like, I think of like those bowed ghost hunting TV shows. Yeah. <laughs> which honestly think inspired like that stuff from like the orphanage probably even more than like something like this yeah um even though i think that orphanage actually came out before this but anyway uh i think like those shows that actually do that inspire that type of thing and a lot of times it's like people just looking for anything and then when and then they're like oh we found something but when they're like no we looked around we found it it was literally pipes right i think that was a good touch it was one thing that i thought of while i was watching this is that this is sort of like the dark mirror version of cabin in the woods where cabin in the woods is made by people who love horror movies Obviously, Joss Whedon likes horror movies and put a lot of that into the movie, but it's all very, like, jokey, fun. Like, it's scary at times, but it's, like, mostly comedic. Whereas this one, instead of going in that direction, goes in, like, it takes all of those things that make horror movies so, like, iconic and, like, all these incredible moments from different horror movies, and it just puts them all together to make them so scary. It's kind of like a Frankenstein horror movie, where it's like, okay, tidbit of haunted house, tidbit of supernatural. Yeah. Tidbit of exorcism. I kind of went into tidbit it being of scary like, dolls. oh, right, this is just like a haunted house movie. And then, like, the more I watched it, I was like, well, it's also kind of got a poltergeist thing to it, and it's also kind of got, like, a possession thing to it. And then Annabelle. And then Annabelle, who I forgot how big of a role she plays in this movie. Or, um, apparently my, like, real cheap knockoff Abigail, because I called her that, like, twice earlier. (laughs) Abigail creation. Abigail comes home. I had a bicycle named Abigail once. I have a cousin named Abigail. Actually, it might have been named Annabelle. I think my bike was actually named Annabelle. I am 100% sure that my cousin's name is Abigail. (laughs) So that's where this has been, right? That's where this came from. And we talked a little bit about where the franchise is going slash where it's been. So just to give you a rundown of the full list of Conjuring Universe movies. Oh, man. We start off with this movie. We go to Annabelle in 2014. I think everyone was really intrigued by like, ooh, tell me more about this doll because it's the scariest part of this movie, even though it's in it for like three minutes. And it's not that scary. I found the other stuff to be, I mean, it's scary, but I just, I wanted to watch the other stuff more than I wanted to watch the Annabelle stuff. See, I wanted to learn more about Annabelle. Okay, so you're exactly who they made Annabelle for. They made it for me and then I never saw it. Annabelle, it's good. It's fine. Um, It's a pretty good movie. Then they made The Conjuring 2 in 2016, which was about the Enfield poltergeist, which is a British case, actually. Ooh. And in real life, <laughs> the Warrens appeared at that case uninvited and were immediately asked to leave. Solid. <laughs> so whatever happens in that movie is an exaggeration. <laughs> I will tell you that. Um, and then in 2017, Annabelle Creation came out. I gotta say, I thought Annabelle, the original, was like, uh, okay. Annabelle Creation is like, fucking great prequel like it is a textbook how you make a prequel that flawlessly blends in with the rest of the uh, i need like, to see it there are shared scenes i it's hard to explain without having seen it but there's like the beginning sort of scene of annabelle is like a later scene in annabelle creation and they just like perfectly blend the two of them i together. will watch it's them so good. and learn uh the nun came out in 2018 and i tried to watch the nun last night in preparation for this and i watched 20 minutes of it and then i turned it off because it's the most boring shit i've ever seen in my oh, life oh no. is it more boring than the uh, 1979 amityville horror yes it's worse than that oh it man. is straight up worse than that it's about the demon nun from the conjuring 2 who i think is also shown in annabelle creation cool not great whatever when as we said the curse of la llorona came out this year it's gotten mixed reviews annabelle comes home is coming out in like a couple weeks 
I want to see all the beasties get let out of the beastie room. <laughs> That's how I described it in her outline. Annabelle is going like, to let all the beasties out of the beastie room. Sounds like the exact synopsis they should be using on IMDb. I'm well, just the current saying. tagline is possess them all, which is really funny because Detective Pikachu came out like three weeks ago. <laughs> that was ca- like about catching them all. <laughs> so it's just like you're going to have to go around and like catch them in Pokeballs and put them back in the trophy room. <laughs> And then there's going to be a Conjuring 3 movie coming out in 2020, and that is apparently going to be based on the trial of Arnie Johnson, who killed his landlord after assisting the Warrens with an exorcism and claimed in court that during the exorcism, the demon went into him, and that is what made him kill his landlord. And so uh, that was actually something they mentioned a couple times in this movie, was Ed was like worried about doing the exorcism himself because he was like, I'm not certified to do this. And when they go wrong, they go really wrong because they'll just enter another person. Right. So that actually sets up this plot pretty well. It does. Um, This is a real court case that actually happened and a man actually died. So let's see how they handle it because I don't know how classy it will be handled. I mean, a lot of these are usually based on like real things. Yeah, but I feel like there's a difference between being like, ooh, there was a haunted house and being like, this guy got fucking murdered. Yeah. And the guy who did it was like, oh no, a demon made me do it. Like... So, um, The Exorcism of Emily Rose was a movie that came out, like, in the 2000s, I want to say. Yeah. And that was about something where, I think it was an exorcism where a girl died Mm -hmm. during the exorcism, and so the people were on trial for it. Yeah. And it seemed like it was going to be, like, one of those cheesy, like, scary movies, but I think I didn't end up watching the movie, but I did a lot of research on it because I wanted to see it. Um, If I remember correctly, it's actually more of, like, a court case movie than it is a... um, horror movie i find that interesting because that is sort of like i feel like there is a little more room to be like oh well yeah i don't know it would be more interesting to see that argument in court and and stuff like that versus i'm just worried that based on how the rest of these movies have gone as much as i really liked this movie and i really did like this movie i think it's a liability of doing something that's based on real life is that like I don't know if that the landlord that was murdered, like, his family's probably still alive. Yeah. If it was, what, in the 70s or the 80s? Like, do they really want to see a movie where, like, it's all about... I mean, we've established in this universe that demons are real and exorcisms are real and all that also, stuff. So how do you feel about something like I just finally watched, uh, like, the Extremely Evil... Uh, that I don't... See, that's real wicked. things. That's all... There's no... The, the Ted Bundy movie is yeah. the one that I'm referencing. I can't remember the exact title of it. I think it's extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile. Something like Something that. Something like yeah. that. That's not, that's like telling the story from his girlfriend's perspective, right? So everything that happened in real life happened in that movie for the most part. I'm they sure actually, that there were some slight They showed changes. like the real scenes yeah. in the credits of it where it's like they word for word were what they said in the movie. That was I feel like cool. that's one thing. And I don't have any problem with movies based off of true crime. I consume a lot of true crime stuff. I love true crime. I think it's very interesting. I think what kind of makes me feel like maybe they need to be a little bit hesitant about it is that like it seems like probably the way that they're going to do it is justify or like go along with what this guy the murderer said happened and like why he's not responsible for it because ooh a demon got into him yeah and that sort of like almost gives him a way out of like responsibility for like taking another person's Did life he end up being convicted i think so i don't okay. think that the devil made me do it as an actual <laughs> defense in court and like maybe Like, I don't know what's going on with that guy. Maybe he really did believe that he was possessed or something like that. Like, maybe it's a mental illness thing like that. Stuff happens, doesn't make it okay, but, like, people can't always control their actions. But it just kind of makes me feel a little bit weird that they're going to turn it into, like, 
oh, but it was really a demon because he was helping out the Warrens and now it's all about them. And it's like, well, a guy really died, though. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I felt a little bit that way about, like, the in the Amityville horror stuff when they were, like, kind of trying to make it seem like um, the DeFeo kid who killed his parents who, like, kicked off the whole haunting. Like, he was possessed by a devil or a demon or whatever. That kind of rubbed me the wrong way. This, I think, is kind of going to do the same thing for me. We'll also, see. Maybe they'll a, handle it differently than I'm expecting. I will say there was a podcast that I used to listen to um, that I've stopped partially because of the story I'm about to tell. But... They were using, um, there's a girl who, she died at a Hollywood hotel. Elisa Lamb. Elisa Lamb. And uh, they were talking about how, like, her dying was actually inspired by this thing in, like, this podcast lore. It was a fiction podcast. Yeah. That was, like, trying to, and they never said her name, but they had, like, an anagram of it that was really, like, similar. And I really liked it in that, the fact they were, like, this real thing happened and what if it was like this person they made it really easy to google and all that it felt i kind of had that same kind of feeling where it's like i like this so much and then as soon as they like took a real tragedy and turned it into like a part of their lore yeah especially considering it was not that long ago um that was that like rubbed me a little bit wrong yeah it's like it's one thing when it's just like a haunted house or something like that and obviously like the parents are fine with the story being told and all of that and no one died there anything like that it's just when when an actual crime comes into it and they want to make it like you said like when they want to turn it into part of their lore and part of their universe it's like well it's not really your story to do that with though yeah like you know it's not really their place you know yeah so i completely get why that could be rough depending on how they handle it yeah and i haven't seen the second conjuring so i don't know how they handled that, but I'm guessing they're more involved in showing up and being asked to leave. So, like, that already kind of makes me think that maybe they're not going to be 100% honest with how things went down. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I'm talking a lot about movies I've never seen. So, I, <laughs> that's always... not even made yet. So. Right. That's always the thing that gets me into trouble, because then I have to later be like, okay, I was wrong about that. <laughs> I didn't do it that way. So, we'll see what happens. I would love to love this movie, depending on how it goes. We'll see. For sure. But I really did enjoy The Conjuring. I thought it was a great movie. I thought it was, like, the... Amityville Horror set the stage for what a cool, awesome haunted house movie can be. And then this one was like, eh, okay, not a cool, awesome haunted house. What a, what the, the basics of a haunted house movie yeah. can be, right? What creepy shit can happen? And this one like kicked it into high gear and really made it amazing. Yeah, I think the Amityville was like, okay, we have a haunted house. This one gave it more of a plot. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, there's a ghost. Oh, we found out what the ghost's intention is. And now there's gonna be a climax where like the ghost tries to carry out those intentions. Then everyone is saved at the end. That's yeah. fine. Um, so you have that stuff um and it also just like adds a little bit more and it makes it interesting the acting was really good it was yeah the everybody scares else was were great. legit and like i was watching it in the middle of the day in my bedroom while like packing and was still like got creeped out usually that's a situation where you watch it and you're like okay well it's not gonna be as scary you know there were times i was like eh, i might just turn around for this scene because i don't want to <laughs> see what's gonna ever happen because like sometimes you just expect a jump scare for so long that you just get tired of being anticipation of this jump scare all right maddie so what are we doing next um so next we're gonna do another like old meets new and look at suspiria yes i am so excited about this i've never seen either of them no so the original came out in 1977 and it is an italian supernatural horror film Mm -hmm. we're doing a handful of supernatural films back to back there are so many supernatural subsets though i feel like you can be supernatural and not have anything in common with another supernatural um and i have seen 
both one star and five star reviews for the new Amazon version of Suspiria. But nothing in between. No, it's you either like, <laughs> love it or you hate it. I can't wait. I'm excited. I mean, it looks like it could be really good. Yeah. I mean, Tilda Swinton's in it. Who I always confuse with um, the woman from Hereditary. Really? Tony Collette? Yeah. They actually look really similar if you look at them side by side. That's true. When you think about like in Trainwreck, when... Um, uh, what's her face? Um, Tilda Swinton is in it, but she's wearing like a wig and makeup and stuff. And she looks very feminine. Exactly. She kind of lo- um, does look like Tony. Tilda Collette. Swinton has a habit of doing more like severe looks while Tony Collette is more, um, more like natural looking. Yeah. Usually. Um, but their faces are kind of similar and they both do like movies like Hereditary and Suspiria. That's true. So that is what we're going to be watching next. Um, You can find uh, Suspiria, the first one, on Tubi TV. Is that what it's called? Yeah, the 1977 one is available. um, You just watch it with ads on Tubi. Yeah. And the new one's on Amazon Prime. So if you have Amazon Prime, then great. Yeah. And if not, it's like five bucks. Yeah. Um, So we'll be back in a couple weeks with that. We're really looking forward to it. We're going to talk about the old and the new and what's changed and what's the same. Talk about some plies and grand plies and pirouettes and stuff. Because there's a lot of dance in this movie. There is. It's very dance heavy um anything else that you'd like to add before we sign this off don't let ghosts into your doll no never let ghosts into your doll and uh have your house inspected before you move in if i wake up with bruises on my body randomly all the time does that mean that i'm being like possessed by a ghost no you are anemic okay (laughs) eat a steak sounds good we'll take some iron pills perfect all right uh have a great couple of weeks everybody we will talk to you soon and until then drive safe and we love you very much Bye, friends.